Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. If you're listening to this on Wednesday and good morning, if you're listening to this in the morning, I'm actually recording it in the morning and I feel like I just woke up. So if my voice sounds a little weird, that's why. Um, I have to know, do you skip the musical introduction at the beginning of my episodes? Curious minds asking. Sometimes I skip the musical intros of podcasts that have too long of a musical intro. Um, But I tried to keep mine really short, simple, and sweet. And as short, simple, and sweet as it is, it still took me like 80 bazillion times, even with a professional, Mike Clark of Mike Clark Recording Studios, uh, doing the legwork and coaching me along the way to get to where it was usable. So if you do skip the intro, I bet you feel bad now. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, But do you ever wish you could just like do something perfectly write the very first time. I know I do. I wish I could just write something and have it like magically be the final draft. But even when I write something good, I send it to my husband. He finds like 60 bazillion edits. So, you know, sometimes you get lucky and first draft is the final draft and that happens. But sadly, that is not usually the case. And I'm trying to get better with accepting that, which is why today... After scheduling this podcast and completing all the editing and doing this intro, I sat with it for a little bit and I was like, no, I need to scrap the entire thing and re-record the beginning, which is this part. Because the first version of this part was basically me trying to like log jam you poor people with all sorts of stuff. Like I had all these things I wanted to share. Um, Angela Lucier of Speaker Sisterhood calls this overstuffing the burrito. And I think that is so funny and so true because, but here's the thing, like I only get to talk to you like this once a week, once a week, I tell you, it's not very much. And I have loads of stuff I want to tell you all week long. So I just have to keep bottling it up, bottling it up. And I know it probably feels like plenty of time. Like, you know, you guys are like, all right, Emily, once a week is more than enough. You have other podcasts to listen to. You probably can't keep a control on the podcast feed as it is, but I would, you know, I love sharing things, stories, new thoughts, things I find funny. And so it's hard not to uh, do more than one episode a week. And it's also hard not to try to pack it all into the beginning of my episode. So I think I decided, though, that after, you know, sitting with it, sifting through and paring this down in October, I'll just start off with a little heart to heart. Just you and me. We'll recap. We'll touch base on things. It's been a while and we've got things to discuss. But today, We are not focusing on that. We are focusing on the fourth author in our month of writing and talking about how she made the decision to go from successful attorney to contemporary romance writer. I know, it's amazing. Um, And I'm sure this is going to come as no surprise to you. But I want to tell you about something I've started doing in the past two years. I started keeping a list of all of the books that I read. Now, when I say it comes as no surprise to you, I know. You all know I make a lot of lists. I do. It's true. But this one in particular actually came because of my dear, dear friend, Debbie Valino, who shared her own list with me. 
that she'd been keeping from her book club. And the list she gave me had all the books that they've read together in book club. Now, Debbie has some really good taste in literature. So when she shared this list with me, she actually shared it with me back in 2018. And I just decided I'm going to start down that list, choose whatever I can get my hands on from the library. And I basically didn't stop until I was done reading all of those books that she had. You know, she didn't recommend them all. She just said, these are all the ones that we read. And you had to do a little legwork and look into which ones you actually wanted to follow through on. So yeah, I've read a whole ton of the books on her list and now I've started a list of my own. That way I can recommend great books to other people too. Since I was like a little girl, my mom says I can re- I could read when I was three and I can't really remember a single time when I didn't enjoy reading. There was one little stint after graduating college when I was like, I need a break, but I'm pretty sure it was really, really short because I worked for a chiropractor that summer and I was always taking home health and nutrition books from the library of the chiropractor's office. So... I usually today, nowadays, um, I almost always have my head in like either one or two books at once. I'll have one going for business or personal growth and one going for fun. And I hear a lot of you do that too. Though I'm trying to stop the habit of reading two at once and just focus more on slowly reading and savoring one book at a time. And even like taking notes if it's a, you know, if it's a business or personal growth book, like really treating it like a textbook. So anyway, I haven't done that this year. And I actually had the longest list going in 2021 than I ever have. And the exciting thing is I still have three more to read on my nightstand, two more that I pre-ordered, Kendra Hall, who was on my podcast recently talking about stories, and Terry Trespicio, who came and did a talk for the VIP group. So those are going to be like surprise goodies. Um, I think most both are coming. I I think one's a hardback and one's coming on my Kindle, and I have no idea when they actually come out. I just knew I needed those books, and so I pre-ordered them. And I'm also doing a puzzle swap soon, which I'm going to give puzzles for books with a friend. So I feel like I am set for the rest of 2021 with all of my reading. And now I get to start thinking about what I want to read next year. Books. Books are very exciting. Uh, All that to say, if you ever need a book recommendation, like I said, I am your girl. And I did want to share two things I've sort of embraced this year with all of this reading. Number one, I do allow myself to read more books just for fun now. I never really read books just for pleasure. And now I enjoy and embrace taking frequent breaks from business, mindset, educational books. I just like to enjoy a nice novel or fiction, you know, one that you can just like soak up and think about when you're not reading it. I love that when you think about the characters and everything, you just can't wait to get back to the plot. Uh, Number two, unlike in school, when I was required to finish every single book I started, no matter how terrible it was to read, I do not finish books that don't do it for me. I, I I actually never could fathom like not finishing a book. Um, I thought once you started it, you had to finish it. Sometimes I start a book and pick it up a couple years later and restart it and then I finish it. But if it hasn't done it for me in that time in my life by say chapter three or so, it's out. You know, third time's the charm for a lot of things. Meeting someone and knowing whether or not you jive, By the third episode of a show, you kind of know if it's going to hold your interest enough to binge the whole season of it and picking up a book, 
third time, if it hasn't caught you, if you're attempting to read it and it's not satisfying, enough, you know, put it down, return it to the library, uh, get your money back on Amazon if you can, and just set it down and, and you can always come back to it later, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't finish books that don't do it for me because life is too short and there are just so many great books out there. You shouldn't waste your time reading books you don't like. Unless you have to, of course. Um, I also encourage you to check out some of our very own She Built This VIP members who are authors and have their work listed in our author's corner on the She Built This website. If you go to shebuiltthis.org and you hover over the members tab at the top, you'll find our authors corner, which has all the authors of the She Built This VIP group. It's just one of the many perks of being a VIP, and we're really lucky and fortunate to have so many writers in our group. Next year, I think we're actually going to start like a book of the month, and we're also doing one more focus on writing in December. So stay tuned. VIP members will get to look forward to all that too. Yeah, but check out the author's corner. See all the goodness that is like right in our own She Built This Virtual Backyard. One more thing, speaking of authors and books, and then we'll get into the interview, the review of the week. This amazing review came from Deb G, who is a member of the Speaker Sisterhood Club that I'm part of. She has a way with words and really knows how to make a girl feel special. Here's her review. I'm really enjoying the She Built This podcast. The episodes are engaging, relatable, and helpful, mostly due to Emily's way of dealing with topics that if handled differently would have had the potential to create anxiety in some of us, but not in Emily's capable hands. For example, there are so many ways we could be less overwhelmed and more organized. Emily shares her own experience with this and also the many ways and tools that she uses for herself, although she's careful to explain that it's fine for each of us to find our own tools based on what works for us. It's okay to realize that it's an ongoing process. Emily's lighthearted, energetic, and humble guidance helps me feel that it's okay not to have everything all figured out. Also, I love Emily's interviewing style. I listened to her interview with naturalist and adventurer author Cy Montgomery, and you could feel how excited Emily was to be having the conversation, an amazing choice to include in the author series. I also loved her interview with Mia Francis Poulin, founder of The Copy House, about using more ethical marketing techniques. Listening to this conversation literally helped me take an A deep in and out breath, knowing that there are marketing leaders who believe we can create thriving businesses without having to use all too familiar sleazy marketing and sales tactics. That was exactly the confirmation I needed to hear in this moment, especially from two women I can identify with. I started a few businesses in the past, and I'm planning to start another one soon. I'll be continuing to listen to the podcast, and I just joined the She Built This Facebook group, Confetti. She didn't say that. I said that. So I can benefit from shared information and a little like-minded community and avoid making some of the mistakes I've made in the past. Thank you, Emily. That, like I said, was amazing. Thank you so much to Deb for taking time and putting so much intention and care into writing this review for me. I really, really appreciate each and every single review because it helps people to discover the podcast and helps me to spread the message and the mission of She Built This. And Deb pointed out so many things to help me know what I'm doing well and how to do more of that. And it also helps me know that I'm not just over here talking to myself because I could do that on my own time and I wouldn't have to waste yours. So 
If you have approximately 30 to 60 seconds right now, I would welcome your review on the Apple Podcast app or on Podbean. I still have not figured it out on Stitcher, SOS. If anyone knows how to do that, please tell me. And thank you in advance because when you write a review, you are literally helping me to build this. See what I did there? Okay, now I promise we're going to get into it, shall we? As I said, this is the fourth installment of our author-writer series for September, the month of writing, and I think you're going to enjoy my guest today very, very much. I already told you that I like books, and now I'm going to make a confession that I have been known to read a romance novel or perhaps two. (laughs) Okay, more than that. Um, I prefer them to be like a little bit steamy, which makes me blush even to say, but especially because I know some of the people who are listening. But yeah, since I'm confessing, now you just know. Um, When I was 11 or 12, my grandma, I blame my grandma. She used to get me this series called the Christy Miller series, which were all like these super clean, but they were romance. Um, They were like these religious novels. And the characters, I bet you they didn't even kiss, but I can't remember. But anyway, I enjoyed the books very, very much. And still to this day, once in a while, I like to sit back, relax, and enjoy someone else's love life unfolding before my eyes. So if romance or tales of vampires and romance are up your alley and something you enjoy reading, the books that my guest today writes are for you and you're definitely going to want to check out the show notes. I met today's guest, Lee, through our She Built This VIP member, Liz Larson, who I just adore and I'm over the moon about All my VIP members love them so much. Liz is one of those people, though, that when she suggests you do something, you do it. (laughs) So when Liz recommended that I chat with Lee and then proceeded to tell me she went from lawyer to successful romance novelist, I was like, yes, please. She must be on my show. Um, Lee James is a USA Today bestselling author of contemporary romance. Her title, Escorting the Billionaire, was recently an Amazon top 10 bestseller. Lee also writes young adult romance as Lee Walker. Her best-selling series, Vampire Royals, was previously optioned by Netflix. A former attorney, Lee is now a full-time writer and sports mom, the two best jobs she could ever ask for. She's written, wait for this, 36 novels and is busy working on number 37. She is living her happily ever after in New Hampshire with her family. Here's my interview with Lee Walker. Hi, Lee, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am so excited. So I heard about Lee through a mutual um, friend of ours and VIP member, Liz Larson. And she and I, I stopped into her office one day and she was like, you have to meet Lee Walker. And so I wrote myself a little note on a sticky note and I went home and, and emailed. And I think we had like some texting thing where it didn't ever end up going to you, but we got it all sorted. and. Here she is. <laughs> um, so I read your bio before you like hopped on to join us, but I always like to start off by having you tell in your own words who you are and what it is that you do. Okay. Um, but so first of all, thank you so much for having me and and thank you to Liz for introducing us because um, I am a fan of your podcast. And so this is an honor for me to be here talking to you. Um, thank you. And so my name is Lee and I write... Um, sexy contemporary romance as Lee James. 
And I have another pen name that is Lee Walker. And I write um, young adult paranormal romance, like with vampires and werewolves as Lee Walker. So I'm excited too. And one thing I have a question for you is like, is it hard for you to like, so, so how do you kind of compartmentalize the two different, I mean, they're, they're essentially different genres. Like one has to do with like a yes. sci-fi vampire-y kind of things. And one is more, you know, everyday romance. Yes. Um, so it's actually, it's really fun for me. I actually enjoy having split personalities. Um, so they're two separate, I really think of it as two separate brands. Um, and I kind of liked creatively, it's fun for me to go back and forth between these two different genres. So that's how I started publishing as Lee James. Um, and I was writing a lot of billionaire romances and I, I just kind of got at, like, this was about three years ago. I was just kind of getting burnt out on billionaire romances. I wanted to write something completely different. And that's when Lee Walker was born. Um, and so I wrote like a young adult dystopian romance series, uh, The Division. And it was super fun. And so like I I have different uh, social media accounts and, and different mailing lists. And I'm not super active on social media anyway. So that kind of makes it easier to navigate, I think. Um but yeah, they're, they're two separate identities and it's, that's refreshing yeah, for me. Yeah, how fun. Um, I mean, speaking just from like a content writing perspective, I like shifting into different voices and, and like for yeah. different people. So I kind of do get that. Um, how do you, I know I didn't have this question in the questions I prepared you with, but how do you come up with the ideas for your stories? So I get inspired by everything, um, which is super annoying for the people who live with me <laughs> because it's just, that's just kind of how my brain works. Um, and since I've been writing full time for the past eight years, I'm, I'm always, you know, constantly thinking about the stories that I'm writing or what I'm going to write next. Um, but particularly for romance, it's really like, it's just kind of fun for instance, we were watching a golf match, a professional golf match over the weekend. I was watching with my husband and my boys. And one of the, one of the players was kind of like hot. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait a minute. He would be a great character. I'm very character driven in my stories. That's where I get a lot of my ideas from. Um, so I get inspiration all the time from real life and, and TV. And it, it's, I always have a ton of ideas. Oh, that is so fun. That's, you know what? That's why I have a notebook in my shower because I get so many, I'm like, oh my God, I have an idea for someone and I have to write it down. <laughs> why does it always happen in the shower? That's such a thing. It happens I, to me too. I think it's because the water hitting your head like brings the brain cells to life. I'm not sure, but um, all right. So let's talk about like what I think is kind of the elephant in the room. How did you, well, first of all, why did you pivot from being a lawyer to a writer were you completely worried out of your mind about making money in the shift? Absolutely. And and actually, so money was was the impetus for me to start writing. And But actually, money was the impetus for me to become a lawyer in the first place. Um, to kind of rewind, I was a writer before I was a lawyer. I was like one of those kids who wrote short stories when I was little and always wanted to write a book. I was a journalism major in college. Um, but in my early twenties, I was discovering that, you know, journalism was, you know, like freelance writing didn't pay well. And I wasn't, I wasn't really sure what my career prospects were at that point. And 
writing a book wasn't really on my horizon at, at that point. I wasn't really sure. I, it didn't seem like that was something that was available to me, at least as a career path. It kind of seemed more like a pipe dream. Um, so I decided to go to law school in order to be practical and earn a decent living. Um, and what I enjoyed about practicing law was the writing aspect. That was that was the one thing I felt like I was particularly good at, and that was my strength. Um, but the rest of it, I didn't, I did not love or enjoy. So I had been practicing law for a couple of years, and had my oldest son, and then I had my second son, and I was really feeling um, sort of like squeezed at work and at home. And feeling like I was, you know, I know it's like a common theme, I feel like with a lot of women, like feeling like I was failing at everything um, and and wasn't succeeding at home or at work. So I had this sort of wild idea that I was going to write a book. I'm like, I'm going to write a book and that will solve all of my problems because I'm going to sell it and make a good bajillion dollars. <laughs> I can of course, of course. Right. And I can retire from my law practice and drive off into the sunset. Um, so I did that. I wrote my first book when I, I have three children now, but I had two at the time. One was four, one was two. I wrote it at night after working, um, coming home. Cause I just was really like, I felt like I needed, you know, an exit, um, from my law practice. And that didn't happen because uh, I never sold that that first book. So it was several years later. Um, I had taken some time off from from practicing law full time and needed to go back to work. You know, we needed my income. I did need to go back to work, and that's when um, this was like eight years ago. Well, it was nine years ago because it took me about a year to to pull another book together, but. That's when self-publishing became more of a viable option. And I was reading stories about other authors who were self-publishing their books and were able to make a living um, through self-publishing fiction. And I remember saying to my husband, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. And and we agreed that if I, if I wrote a book and I was able to replace my um, attorney income, that then I would have a new job. <laughs> so that's what I did. Wow. All right. So when you first started, when I guess when you first entered the process of self-publishing, what kinds of like fears or self-doubts were creeping in? Well, so, so there was a lot. And I mean, certainly I think, and I don't know if anybody else listening to this has, has written something or written a book. And there, I think there is an initial fear of being seen. I think you're worried that someone's going to read your book and judge it or judge you. They're going to think it's crap. Um, you know, so, you know, cause you're putting yourself out there. That's risky. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a fear. And then the other fear was, you know, it, when I actually sat down to write a book, I had read hundreds of books. So I, I thought, and I was, a, I was a good writer, I thought, but it was really hard. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> this is, I thought I was just going to sit down and write it like it was going to be easy. And it wasn't. It was much more difficult, um, the execution, than I had originally anticipated. So it was sort of, da- it was kind of daunting at first. Yeah. What do you think made it so challenging? Just like what logistically, I guess. So lo- logistically, okay. So, um, I don't know if you're, are you a runner? Do you run? I used to. Okay, me too. I, don't, I quit, right? But I used yeah, to yeah. run. Same. <laughs> and so for me, writing was a lot like running. It was just the fact like putting one word after the other word, like one foot 
after the other foot and just keep, you know, going from the start to the end, it, it took a lot out of me. And, and also, you know, when you write for me, when I wrote a book the first time, it was like all these questions that I didn't anticipate having, like whose point of view is the story from? Oh, wait, right. If she's telling the story, how can someone else understand what's happening? Like it was a lot of logistical stuff that I, I thought would be intuitive because um, I had, was such an avid reader that was more difficult in execution than I had anticipated. Yeah. And you can't leave those details in the dust because people notice, you know, they're like, wait a minute, you said that bag was on the settee, not on the, I don't know, not on the couch. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So have some of those fears um, changed for you as you've grown? Yes, absolutely. I would say that, you know, I've written, I think, 36 books at this point. And so in terms of execution, like understanding the the parameters and the boundaries, those sorts of things, those are much more um, ingrained in me now. So I have a better sense of, you know, so it's just like once you run a half marathon and you've done it before, if you did it 36 more times, you'd be like, okay, this is how I pace myself. This is, you know, when I need to drink water, this is how, you know, mentally, this is where I need to be to push myself through this next piece. You know what I mean? Like it just with more experience comes more comfort. Right. Right. And, um, reduces that fear of being seen because you've had, you've worked that muscle. It's all out there. (laughs) It's been seen. So the book I read was not super risque, but I imagine that some of your books are risque and contain things that are like maybe awkward for your kids or your kids' parents. So I'm curious to know, like, how old are your kids and do they and their friends and parents know what you do? And has it ever been sort of like awkward. Yeah. So I love this question so much because it's real life, right? Like, and that's, it's, it's important. Um, so I have three boys, they are 16, 14, and almost 12. They know what I do. They know that I have two pen names. They are absolutely mortified (laughs) by me. That being hilarious. That being said, they are also equally mortified by my husband who works in healthcare. So it's equal opportunity mortification (laughs) of teenage boys. You know, they're just like, they think we're weird. Um, And I don't, I don't really feel like they don't, they don't judge me for what I do. It's just, they have no interest in reading my books. Um, Even the young adult ones, they're like, mom, no, like, they're like, I, we, we talk to you enough. Like they're just not, in, they're, they're not interested in it, which is awesome. Um, and with respect to my sexier books, like one of my titles, Escorting the Billionaire is, is quite sexy and it's being made into a video game. And like they just laugh because they're like, mom, that's a video game we can't play. Right. And I'm like, yes. Oh my goodness. I'm curious. I'm curious to know if anyone else has ever been like, that's not appropriate. Um, I so not really, honestly. Like everybody I know in real life has been awesome. Um, to my face, right? Like if if people have said things behind my back, I I don't know about it, so that's awesome. But no, everybody's been super supportive. And and even like my mom reads my books. Like it's more embarrassing for me, I think, than anyone else. And and now that I've been doing this for eight years, it, it was definitely harder at first. And, and at first when, so Liberty Begins was my first book that came out. It's definitely a sexy book. There's sex on the page in that book. I was mortified, not, not of what I'd written, but of like seeing people in town, like other moms and the dads and being like, yeah, that's, I wrote a book. There's a lot of sex in it, but no one else 
no, everybody else was fine. And right. now that it's been eight years, it's just like, you know, everybody knows what I do. No one cares. Um, and it, I also think it helps that I have my Lee Walker name now. That's something that I can talk to, you know, anyone about. I can talk to my friend's daughters about those books and, and feel comfortable doing that. Right. Um, all right. So just as important as I think like all the success you've had, let's talk about a piece of writing that you've had that has like totally flopped. Oh my goodness. I have, I have so many. And I think that's such an important point um, to any, any authors or creatives, any, anybody out there who is, you know, trying to work on your dreams. Like um, the first book I wrote 12 years ago, when, when my kids were little, like I was telling you, I never published that book. I, th this was back before self-publishing had really taken hold, um, as a, as an avenue for publication. And so back then it was like, I think it was 2012. You, you basically needed to get an agent. Agents were gatekeepers. An agent would, would turn around and try to sell your book to a publisher, like the New York publishers. And so the process at that point was to query agents, which was to send like a synopsis or the first five pages of your book and a letter introducing yourself. And so I had slaved over this book for a year. I was so excited to send it out to agents. And then I figured I'd land my contract and drive off into the sunset. <laughs> and instead, no one even, no agent, I sent it to 50 agents. No one ever asked me to look at it. No one requested like more pages. I took that as a sign that I should revise it. I revised it. I sent it to 50 more agents. Crickets. There was wow. nothing. And so at that time, there, you know, I couldn't self-publish the book because that wasn't really, you know, it wasn't a, an option yet. I was done. Like that, that was it. I had failed. Um, and there were no other avenues for me. So I remember feeling like just, I was looking in my head. I remember feeling like I was looking at a row of doors that were closed and locked and there was nowhere for me to go. And that, that was, you know, it was painful. Um, but so even after that though, I still had a dream and, you know, again, anybody who's listening, who has a dream that you, you failed at something don't give up on yourself. Keep if if that's what you really want, you're going to have to fight for it. And and I did. And even though, you know, so this is my 8th year of self-publishing, I just I just hit USA Today this year for the first time on a, on one of my books, The Scoring the Billionaire, hit the USA Today list this year. It was so amazing, but it's taken me 8 years to get to that point. And so yeah. I've published 36 books. Um not all of, obviously not all of them have been bestsellers, you know what I mean? So. And good for you for not giving, like not feeling like, oh my God, I can't write or just completely giving up at that point. Because I know that's where a lot of people hit a roadblock is when they get turned down by the publication industry. Yes. So really good for you for, for keeping going with that dream. Thank you. Um, let's talk about kind of like your daily writing. Do you write every day? So during the school year, yes, I, I, well, not every day I write Monday through Friday. I try to keep just like a schedule, a regular work schedule. Um, when the kids go to school, I turn on my computer and I write for a couple of hours and I, I usually try to have like a word count that I hit for me. It's usually around 2000 words a day. So if I'm writing Monday through Friday, that's 10,000 words a week. Good for you. And, and do you feel like you work best just like full 
couple four hour sprints or something like that? Yeah, for me, like I definitely need to, I need quiet. Like I need to kind of like stare off into space a little bit and, and like turn off, you know, all social media, put my, put my phone away. So I'm not seeing emails or texts and, and then just kind of like get in, cause it's like a different headspace for me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, but honestly, I can only do that for a couple hours a day. Then like, I just, any more time I would spend would be wasted time because I'm not going to get any more words out. So then I try to just work on my business, my business stuff after my writing time's done. Yep. And then I bet you a bunch of them come when you're trying to fall asleep at night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that does Or in the shower, as you said. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, all right. So what's your, I guess, what's your number one piece of advice for aspiring or, other writers that are trying to put their work out into the world? Well, sure. I think, so I think the most important question to ask yourself at the beginning of, you know, you're sitting down to write a book or you're thinking about writing a book, ask yourself whether or not you're writing for love or for money, you know? And, and I think you can, you can combine those things for sure, but being clear with yourself about your objective, um, I think will help you sort of, you know, it will help you decide, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I really wanted to write this book of my heart. Um, that's kind of out there that doesn't really fit into a genre. Um, but, but you know, your plan isn't to make money from that. Go ahead and write it, like write it and then like bless it and release it. And hopefully it finds readers. If you want to write as a career or for, you know, to you're in a position where you need to feed your kids it becomes something different. Like you're going to write something different and you need to take a look at the market and what's selling in the market and how you might fit into that marketplace. Um, So I do think it's kind of like an upfront question of, of how you're going to frame your work. That's a great question and no wrong answer. You know what I mean? Like both of those answers are perfectly wonderful. I think that we sometimes think that there's some sort of shame in writing for money and not just for love. But the fact of the matter is you need to make a living. And if you can make a living doing what you love, then there you go. Exactly. 100%. Um, Which writers and authors do you find inspiring? So I, I love um, the Twilight series a lot. That's my favorite series. And I love Stephanie Meyer. Um, I love her story that I don't know if you're familiar with it, that she had a dream one night about a vampire and a girl in in a field and and she and she had three little kids at the time and she just woke up the next day and she's like I have to write I have to write this like I got to write this story and I I just love that she cuz to me something like that is like that dream she had I mean look at what what it turned into right this yeah mega best selling series movies like the whole deal I feel like that dream for her was like a message from God. And I love that she just was like, well, I guess I'm going to write a book. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, even though I guess my kids are going to watch Blue's Clues for nine hours today, I'm going to write a book, even though I've never done it before. Um, It's funny because usually when you, when you share dreams, people are like, stop, stop, stop. I can't follow. Like, just stop talking now. (laughs) But it worked out for her. So yeah, I, I find her super inspiring. Um, and then like what, I guess, what books did you find as a writer, you know, on your writing journey that really, really helped you out? Yeah. Like from so a, I guess from a more educational standpoint, not that that's not educational to read other work, but yeah, no, I absolutely. Um, I love Stephen King's book on writing. I don't know if, have you ever read that? I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list. Oh, it's so good. Like he's just, he's such a character, but like 
how he talks about you know his his it's really about like his childhood and how he became a writer and what that means to him now um so it's kind of philosophical but i definitely learned a lot about the actual process of writing a novel from reading that book um and then another book i have to give a shout out to that i that i use often it's a craft book it's um it's called romancing the beat and it's by a woman named gwen hayes who is an editor and an author and she's fabulous um but I write romance and it kind of breaks down the romance beats um, in a way that's really fun. And so anybody out there who writes romance, I highly recommend you pick up Romancing the Beat. Nice. There, are, I know there are two people that, that need to hear that. Okay. So that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, like just off the top of my head. Okay. Um, all right. So I'd love for you to tell us, well, first of all, like which of your books do, is, was your favorite to write and would you recommend that people pick up today? Oh, okay. Thank you so much. So I have, I have two recommendations and the first is um, for a Lee James title, Escorting the Billionaire, which is a, like a modern day pretty woman. Um, and that's the, my title that hit USA Today this year. So I'm super proud of it. And, re, you know, readers love it. I love it too. It's, it's super fun. And then Lee Walker, um, my Vampire Royals series, um, which is kind of like The Bachelor, but with vampires, is I. that's one of my favorite series. I love it a lot. And hopefully you will too. Awesome. I love it. All right. And then how can people find these and find you and connect with you online? Okay. So I have two websites for my two separate identities. Um, and for Lee Walker, it's www.com leewalkerbooks.com. And for Lee James, it's leejamesauthor.com. Perfect. And I will have both of those in the show notes for you. Congratulations on the USA Today bestselling author. That's very, very exciting. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And thank you for joining me. This was fun and lighthearted. And I think you just like have some really, really great tips, especially when it comes to following your dreams and not giving up on yourself and sticking with it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.